The following audio was recorded by Gateway Church's student ministry program called 180. Gateway Student Ministry creates a come-as-you-are environment that leads to transformation and authentic faith. For more information about Gateway Student Ministry, visit gatewaychurch.com forward slash students. How you guys doing? You ready to have a breakfast for dinner fiesta after this? Heck yeah. So good. Well, hey, for those of you that, that uh, weren't here last week, uh, this is my last Sunday with y'all, which is sad, really sad. I know, it sucks. But hey, I want, I'll, I'll, I'll say it at the end because I don't want to cry. Um, but hey, look, so we've been doing this thing for two weeks. Last week was our last. Hey, listen up, just for a little bit. We'll go quick. I know you want to get out there. You don't have small groups tonight, so we're going to go right from here into breakfast and the rest of the night to hang out and play. So, But hey, I, last message to you, this is going to tie in really well. Um, this, this series we've been going through, last week, a lot of you guys probably weren't here for it. We talked about this, this, the story of Jesus' birth, like him and his parents, like their journey from, from Nazareth into Bethlehem to, you know, fulfill this ancient prophecy written hundreds of years before, and just these really cool things you've probably heard a thousand times before. But this week, we really want to go a little bit deeper into um, what it means to have room in your heart for Jesus, which is what the, we really talk about all the time here, but I... I think it's funny, there's so many times in the Bible, as you're reading through it, that, it, that even like the writers of like Peter and, and Paul, they'll, they'll oftentimes repeat themselves over and over again, and you're like, why do they keep saying the same stuff over and over again? I think it's not that they're forgetful that they already said it. I think it's because sometimes it takes us a long time to really get the heart and mind of what Jesus wants for us. So I wanna, we're going to kind of go back through the story of, that we read last week about Jesus entering into the world through the Virgin Mary, right, which is foretold hundreds of years before his birth in the exact city that it would happen in. But I want to read it through four different perspectives, okay? Because I think when we interact with Jesus, there's, you could boil it down to four ways that we really experience him. And maybe for you in this room, you, you fit into one of these four ways. Now, I think the majority of us fit into three, but I really want to end with us talking about the four. So that's kind of where we're going to go tonight. But this is the this is where this whole story, this is like the baseline verse that we get to. Luke 2, 6 through 7, it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So Mary and Joseph are on their way for the census that's taking place. They're going back to Bethlehem, which is, uh, which is Joseph's homeland, right, where he has to go and register for taxes. And as he's there, it takes him a lot longer, right? We talked about the distances, the equivalent of going from here to Waco. It's a long time to walk with just like a donkey and a pregnant lady. And on their way, uh, there's a lot of things that happen. You know, Herod is the current king of Israel, and his whole mission and, and vision is to expand and be very showy for the Jews. He's trying to win their favor and their attention. And so at this time, Herod knows that there's this prophecy that's been told. Like there's this new king that's coming in. If you can imagine being a king of a country, that's very threatening to you. So Herod immediately feels threatened. So this is the first response people have to Jesus. And if you haven't experienced it, there's people all over the world who feel threatened by the idea of Jesus in their life. Now, we are so blessed to live in a culture where we don't really push against the fabric of our culture when we say we believe in Jesus. But other people, they sacrifice their entire family. Maybe a, a wife or a husband at the cost of following Jesus, like this is a huge threat for them. I mean, this idea is challenging. So some people, uh, Jesus is a threat, and Herod thought of it as a threat. And actually, when the wise men came in, so we didn't even get to talk about them last week, but these, these three men 
that came from a nation far away from Israel, weren't even affiliated with the Jews, were astrologers, and they studied the stars, and they tried to understand more about God from studying the stars. And God had kind of illuminated it to them by showing them one star that they would follow, and that star would stop over the place of where Jesus' birth is. So we have two perspectives. One is the response of Herod, who's threatened, doesn't want a new king. You're going to see the action he takes in a second. The second is that of the wise men, who are dutiful visitors. They like kind of go and be intentional about visiting Jesus when they know there's a new king. So let me read you this in Matthew 2, uh, 9 through 11. And there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until they had stopped above the place where the child was. When, the st- when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So what's really cool is on their way in, as they're searching for this newborn king, they have an interaction with Herod. And Herod, as being threatened by Jesus, says, hey, tell us where, tell me where I can find him so I too can worship him. But they were warned through a vision and a dream not to tell Herod, so they didn't. So Herod actually will end up saying, I want you to kill every kid in Bethlehem under the age of two, which is crazy. It's ruthless, wild. And Jesus kind of escapes that. That's a story for another day. But Herod is this continually threatened perspective with who Jesus is. They don't want anything to do with him. Where you have the wise men who don't really know about the Jews, don't really know about the faith that's there. Maybe it's like you. You don't really know a lot about Christianity. It's just kind of the the way you were raised, and you're just kind of a dutiful witness. Like, you show up. You kind of come to church when you're asked to. Maybe you come at Christmas and Easter and, like, once or twice a month, but you show up and you do your duty. You, you serve God. You sing when we sing. You pray when you're supposed to pray. Like, you're on point with that. Now, we don't know a lot about the people, a lot about the wise men that lived at that time. There's different legends of, like, when they went home, some things that they did, but nothing's, like, proven. For all we know, they came in in a season and they went out. And maybe that's you. Maybe, like, you kind of come in and out of your relationship with Jesus. And that's the room you have for him. It's like, hey, when... When the holiday arises or like my dog dies or like I get a new, you know, turtle and eats my new fish and that was really weird so I'm going to pray about that. Like I don't know what kind of weird stuff goes on in your world. But like you bring it and you're dutiful in that way. That's the response of like the wise men. Then you see this really cool encounter we talked about last week with the shepherds, right? And I think this is the perspective, the room, the idea of having room where your life is changed by an experience with Jesus, And you look at this encounter where the shepherds are out in the pastures, they're very lowly people. Like their duty is to to watch after sheep and lamb all day. That's what they do. And you look at this appeal in Luke, and it's Luke 2, uh, verse 15. It says this, When the angels have left uh, left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So they hurried off. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing them, they reported, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It's one of my favorite verses. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, and when they returned, they glorified and praised God for all that they had seen and heard just as they had been told. So there's something different about their interaction when they see Jesus for the first time. And I hope that this would be, I mean, this is where I feel like I am, but there's something that changes for them when they experience him. 
Like, it's not just a thing where it's like he's a, you know, I fit him in where I can. It's like, no, like my whole room changed when I, inter- in, when I introduced Jesus into my life. Like, I did things, like, I saw something that I've never seen before, and because of that, it's totally changed the way I walk back. Like, the shepherds leave, and they're, like, praising God, and they're glorifying him, and they're thanking him. They're talking about it to other people because it's like, I can't contain this goodness that I've experienced. And it's this beautiful thing because the shepherds were probably some of the biggest, you know, proponents of pushing the name that, hey, the Messiah has been born. The Messiah has been born. And this idea of going, praising and glorifying God is this incredible story of life change. But then there's a fourth perspective. And I want you to think about this. It might be a little bit weird to think about because I know you don't have children. But as I was reading through this, I was really moved to think about the perspective of Mary and Joseph. So you have to remember that Jesus was 100% God, but he was also 100% man too. And in his humanity, you poop and pee, right? And so he had swaddling clothes that were so cute. But like, Jesus pooped, man. Like, I mean, just gonna be real with you. Like, he was awesome, but the guy pooped. I mean, prove it differently to me. But so you just have to think, I, I have like nine-month-old babies right now. We had Lucy like four years ago, and so I've gone through that. Babies like change the world, like your world. Like you don't, you, you, don't, you don't have a life anymore. I mean, I mean that in a good way, okay? Like you're gone, and now your life is like raising children. Does that make sense? Like you kind of like, my life is like, I go to work, and I go home, and I do babies. Like it's my world revolves around my children now. And the thing is, I'm going to be completely straightforward with you. I don't know if I could say every time in my relationship with Jesus that my world revolves around him. I think at critical moments of my life, when there's huge transitions or big unknowns or huge sadness or extreme happiness, man, he is like the first person I reach out to and I call to. But in the day-to-day, there's a difference. Like I feel like in that way, I'm more like a shepherd. Like I kind of, I know him, I praise him, I glorify him. He's changed my world but I'm not like inviting him into the day-to-day idiosyncrasies of my life. And I think that is where I miss him. That is where he wants me to go deeper. And as I was just thinking about this and like as I'm thinking about, you know, leaving you guys, that's my greatest desire for you is that you would find that deep connection with Jesus that's not just like these praise high glory moments, but that you would invite him into the small things of your life. That he would be as consistent to you as water. And as I pray that for you, I pray that for myself because I need it more than I even know. And I think the older I get, and I'm not not super old yet, but the more I realize how much I really don't have control of what happens in my world. And so as we just kind of like close out this series, but as we talk about the idea of his birth coming into the world, um, I just want you to think about like where... Where do you have room for Jesus in your life? Like, are you maybe probably not like Herod because that's kind of wild, you know? But like, maybe you're like the wise one. Maybe like you show up when you need to show up and you respect him honoringly and you step out. Or maybe you're like the shepherds where it's like, it has changed your world. But when it comes to the day in and day out stuff, like he's not really a part of it. Or do you have the perspective of Mary and Joseph where their whole world now changed because they circle it around the person of God? And I hope for you that you would start to see it because here's where I think we get confused in our Christian journey. This is what I want to kind of end with for you. In in Christianity, there's this desire that we know we should be something different. We know that like the Holy Spirit's inside of us and he's prompting us to do things. But we're also sinful people and we mess up time and time again. 
That's why we try to always remember that Jesus, when he died for our sins, he died for our current sins, our past sins, but he also died for our future sins. That when you mess up, there's not this shame tied to it, but more of a, like, let me get you back up and push on forward. Because here's, here's the thing you need to know. It's more about the being with Jesus than the doing with Jesus. Does that make sense? By being in proximity to him, by having a relationship with him in your heart as you're talking to him, as you're interacting with him in your mind, without even using your words, you will see your doing change because of your being. But if you always try to correct and course correct and like abstain from things because you're just like, I shouldn't do that. Or when you do mess up, you like beat yourself up over it. Like that's not the heart of God. And that's not what his heart is for you. He wants you to be in his presence, to experience his joy, his love, his freedom that comes that. And as you know him more, as you start to interact with me, and like I, you know, you think about how many times you change a baby's diaper. Like they're eight times a day. Like they're probably doing more than that. You gotta feed him. 10 times a day, like, are you interacting with Jesus in that way? Are you letting him clean your diapers? Are you letting him feed you when you need to? I know it sounds crazy, but think about this is what Mary and Joseph's relationship was, was like with Jesus. And I want that reversed. Like, I want to have that intimacy and that constant connection with Jesus in a way that changes and transforms the way that I do my life. Because I think so often, especially as students, you get that switch. You think if you just put on a smile you kind of show up well, and you pretend like what's happening in here isn't relevant. You're drifting further away from him. But when you can really dial in and say, Jesus, I want you to see me and know me. I'm going to set an alarm on my phone because I need to start creating a habit of being in your presence all the time, even if it's for 10 seconds. Make it as regular as you drink your water or your soda. Some of you don't drink water, which is sad. You know what I mean? Make it regular. And think about this, and we know we don't have time to go into small group, but over, as you're over break, think about this. Are you thinking of Jesus like a threat, like Herod, where you have no room for him, you're too busy, he's not a priority, and you can't make it happen? Are you like the wise men who were like a one-time visit? You fit Jesus in, but life's busy, so you'll just fit him in and make it work when you can. Or are you like the shepherds, where you have a transformed life, You make priority time for Jesus. You know, you go to church, you go to youth group. You spend time with God on a weekly basis, which is great. Or are you like, or do you want to become like Mary and Joseph, where you focus on Jesus? Where Jesus is fully integrated into every part of your life. And more than making room for Jesus or fitting Jesus in, Jesus is the Lord of every aspect of it. And that is a goal to aspire towards. If that's what you accomplish in your time in high school, aside from graduating, like you will have done well. Make time and space for Jesus to do what he wants to do. But what is God telling you? What is God whispering in your ear in this moment? I know so many of you have a relationship with him, and I know that as quickly as he speaks and you step out of this space, it can kind of fizzle away. So I just want you to think about that, especially over the next two weeks when we don't meet. Think about what is God calling you to, especially as you walk towards winter camp. And you know how spiritually significant those encounters are because God, Jesus wants to be in that place in your heart. All right, so let me pray for us really quick. God, thank you so much for uh, who you are. Thank you that you forgive us for all the messy things that we've walked in here tonight carrying. I know for some of us in this room, there's secrets that we haven't told anyone that we're ashamed of, that we're frustrated with. I know there's parts of our life that we're confused about. 
that we don't understand why you allow certain things to happen. And some of us here are experiencing moments of clarity and joy and they're just on the mountaintop of life. But God, I just pray that in this moment you'd remind them that regardless of where they are in their journey with you, that you are unchanging. That you love them just as much regardless of where they are, regardless of how doubtful or excited or sad or broken they are, that you are still willing to heal, restore, and cleanse them. You gotta just pray with all the distractions that are in middle school and high school that you would draw them close to you in all the outlets that they go to, that your Holy Spirit would be speaking into their hearts and to their minds so that no matter what they do, they're hearing your voice. Draw them close to you as you promised to do to all of us and allow us the strength to be obedient to your call, to be the disciples that you've made us to be. God, we love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so some of you guys weren't here uh, last week, but uh, Ross, I'm going to invite Ross up here. Ross, uh, this is Ross Sagehorn, for those of you who don't know. He's, uh, yeah, he's the man. There you go. So he is actually going to be stepping in starting uh, January 5th when we come. He's going to be with you at winter camp. I just, Ross is an awesome dude. I mean, you guys don't know him as well as I do yet. I actually don't even know him as well as I wish I had a chance to. But I know the small interactions I have had about how incredibly dedicated he is to Jesus. Like the whole idea of being overdoing, like I see him pursuing that as much as the rest of us are. And so I'm excited for him, excited for you guys, but I just want to tell you, um, I love you. And I know that I don't know all of you as well as I know some of you, but I really do love you. And every day for the last five years, I've made an effort to pray for you because I believe in you. I'm not, I'm just sad. But I, I really do believe that you are world changers. I know Ricky believes that. I know Ross believes that. Like, we believe so much in you that I've dedicated my life to serving you through prayer and through trying to do this program and different things. And I, I want you to know that when you feel like no one believes in you or you feel alone, you're never alone. You have a community and a family here. And I'll give you my cell phone number if you want. You can text me anytime or day. I know Ross is the same way. We want you to know that we love you and we care for you and we're for you as you step into what God's called you. So thanks for all that. I appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thank you for listening to our podcast from Gateway Students 180 program. Please subscribe to stay updated on our current series. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at students at gatewaychurch.com.